right. What you won't do is let me have a word in their choice. You've had four Good minutes morning, non-stop, Anne. Good I'm just morning, asking Matthew. questions. Have a lovely morning yourself, Anne. And therein, I would suggest, ladies and gentlemen, is the problem with Brexit. Been gaslit by one of the great advocates of Brexit. Brexit. Hello and welcome to The Trawl, where we scroll through social media so you don't have to. I'm Gemma Forte. And I'm Marina Perkis. And Gemma, right, you've been away on your holidays, so you might have missed mm-hmm. this, but there was a clip that went viral and I think it bloody beautifully sets the tone for our four-year Brexit anniversary podcast, okay? So p- picture the scene, okay. <laughs> the mm-hmm. two ladies... Mm-hmm outside of a house and they are locked out as the keys were left inside so one of the ladies mm-hmm. manages to get through the window at the front of the house but as she very cautiously and very slowly slides down the inside of the window so she's made it over she's upside down at this point her dress which was a, a black boob tube dress like long it's it slips down and her two bosoms are left exposed and pressed up against the window yeah in a video that has now been viewed over 10 million times (laughs) if you think this didn't reach me in the sunny shores of mexico you're very much mistaken my brother my uh, my friends yeah i've seen it and i i've got to say i absolutely hooted i mainly couldn't believe that she allowed it to be posted (laughs) <laughs> not only did that she actually did the media rounds afterwards because in fact it, the whole thing got better <laughs> or worse depending on how you look at it so so she's there she's suspended upside down boobs squashed against the window and what she admitted when she went on tv to talk about it was that she pissed herself <laughs> upside down oh which uh, <laughs> i felt led us perfectly to the meat of today's podcast happy four years since brexit everyone You're so right. About sums it up. I feel like we should uh, exchange gifts on the Brexit anniversary. I'll buy you like a, a carriage clock that doesn't work or um, a bit of jewellery, Marina, that you put on your finger and it goes all green after you've worn it for a couple of days. Something like that. Mm, Still, nice. I mean, come on, it's going well. We've got some best bits. We've, we've, we've talked about them here on The Trawl. We've had... Uh, we can have a pint of wine. We've got shit in our water, which is lovely. We've got, oh, longer queues. And uh, any other highlights, Marina? Anything? I'll tell you the highlight. There is one. And it's actually quite significant for me, for Brexit. And it's um, it's this podcast, Gemma. This podcast. Oh. Would, it, would it exist if there were no Brexit? No, it wouldn't, because us two wouldn't have got angry. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one genuine highlight. <laughs> My goodness me. Talking of which, actually, I was a little bit enraged when I landed yesterday, all glowy and happy, post-holiday, bit jet-lagged. By the way, you can buy melatonin over the counter in Mexico. Did you know that, Ooh. Marina? Did you bring melatonin? Which is the hormone that, uh, yeah, I've got a pot of them. You can, uh, <laughs> I had a very good night's sleep last night. Anyway, um, Beth Rigby, Beth Rigby, amazing journalist. We love her, but I see her flipping well being interviewed on Sky saying this. Now, there's lots of political podcasts around, uh, but there isn't one with an all woman lineup, so. <gasps> Oh, 
excuse me. Sorry, I beg your, I beg your pardon, Beth. What are we, chopped liver? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have sent uh, Marina a quick WhatsApp and gone, hang on a, hang on a minute. Um, but we got a lovely reaction from our tweets. Thank you very much if you joined in. Mm. Um, lots of people were like, uh, excuse me, because uh, no. um, you know what? Great. I'm sure their podcast is going to be good, good people on it and like good title and all that. It's not that. It's just like, don't pretend we don't exist because we're well, here maybe she did and maybe we're it was a, a mistake and that was just maybe i'm not doing enough tweeting mm. to promote it but um tell you what there is enough space for more and it is good mm-hmm. that it's another all female but are they gonna cover politics like we do <laughs> are they gonna cover <laughs> brexit's fourth year anniversary a few weeks late maybe <laughs> like us and are they gonna are they gonna include tweets like this from parody mm. rishi sunak who tweeted, Today is the fourth anniversary of Brexit, the perfect time to step back and appreciate all promises of Brexit that are now a glorious reality. Things like a well-funded NHS, lower food and clothing prices, lower energy bills, a thriving steel industry, a boom time for fishing and farming, lots of exciting new trade deals, easy trade with the EU, and the same freedom to live and work anywhere in Europe. A rapidly growing economy with the UK, a respected and influential player on the world stage. Have I missed anything? (laughs) God, when you put it like that. Yeah. (laughs) Although I've got to say, I did, I didn't realise the anniversary would come around so quick. I forget that anniversary, just like I forget my own. Um, But I did enjoy the clips that emerged as a result of that anniversary, Um, especially those of Brexit backers, who were so sure of themselves pre-referendum, who now look like massive tits. Um, Here's one of them. Have a listen here to the lead singer of The Who, Roger Daltrey, uh, on Sky News when he was an avid Brexiteer. And further away. Oh, is, is it going to be bad for, for British rock music? No, we're going to do the rock, what's it called? What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? rock business. Are they going to tour in Europe? Oh dear, like... as if we didn't tour in Europe before the. In the EU. Oh, give it up. <laughs> <laughs> On that <Right>. note, <laughs> give it up. Uh, thank, thank you very much, Betty. That's great. We're gonna have to if you want to sign up to be ruled by a fucking mafia, you do it. <laughs> like being governed by FIFA. Oh, God. Oh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, eh, yeah. Rog? Again, just note the conviction that he was so sure of himself. Yeah, and so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Um, <laughs> sticking on the theme of music, this one is <laughs> is quite funny. So it's um, Bruce Dickinson, who is from Iron Maiden, and Farouk posted a clip of him talking in 2018. We're going to listen to that first. I was one of the people that voted for it. I'm quite relaxed about the idea. There's a lot of nonsense and scare stories being made up. Brexit will enable us to be more flexible and I think that people in Europe will get an advantage from that. Brexit actually opens our borders, Brexit opens United Kingdom to the whole of the world and rapidly after that people will forget about all this nonsense about Brexit and just say there is a new relationship with the UK, that's it. 
Ugh, it's just described the exact opposite. We have literally voted to make ourselves smaller, inhospitable and unable to trade as easily. So I'm afraid, Brucey babes, people haven't just forgotten about all this nonsense, as you say. And uh, Bruce himself may have come to that conclusion too, um, because here he is talking again in 2024. Sigh. So at the moment, all this guff about not being able to play in Europe and the Europeans not being able to play over here and work permits and all the rest of the rubbish, come on! <laughs> well, that'll do it. Come on! Well done. Well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if in doubt, just come on! Yeah! Or what did Roger Daltrey say? Just F off! Like, yeah, I wish you'd gone and done the negotiations. But look, for balance, <laughs> balance. Um, mm. it's not just, you know, older rock stars that ballsed it up about Brexit and didn't know what they were talking about, because here is a clip from Love Island around the time that we voted to leave. And it was posted by British Memes on Instagram. Think about Brexit. What, what's that? Like, I Where we're leaving the European Union. I don't, I, I seriously don't have so a So like, if you, so it's to, it was to leave the EU, so we wouldn't um, be part of Europe. EU, Which yeah, would yeah, mean like definitely. welfare and like things we trade with would be cut down. So does that mean we won't have any trees? Trees? Yeah. Trees? Oh. No. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's got nothing to do with it, babe. <laughs> what if we have trees? Uh, what are you talking no, about? No, we're just, we're just not in the European Union. Oh, we're still classed oh. as, like, being in Europe. Doesn't it mean it would be harder to, like, go to, like, Spain and stuff? So it'd be harder yeah. to go on holidays? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I love my holidays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I flipping love my holidays as well. But it's not just Daltrey, Dickinson, the, uh, the the people there featured from Love Island. But, you know, and this is much, much worse because why should members of the public really understand the intricacies of what it meant to have um, membership of a trading bloc, quite frankly, um, which is why arguably we shouldn't have had a referendum in the first place. But the people who really did know... The people who knew exactly what it really meant, the charlatans that sold us Brexit in the first place and, quite frankly, either had no clue when they should have or lied, they're the ones we have to take umbrage with. Take, for instance, Andrea Leadsom. In fact, yes, genuinely, take her. Uh, Andrea Leadsom, who was made a dame thanks to her Brexit efforts. In 2016, she tweeted... Brexit would have no impact on the UK economy. Cut to Dame, ain't nothing like a Dame, Andrea Leadsom last week. Well, actually, businesses always face the cost of doing business. Businesses knew at the time of Brexit that in leaving the European single market, there would be additional checks at the border because by definition, we were no longer in that single market. There was no surprise about that. I can certainly remember as business secretary myself back in 2019, every day meeting with businesses, roundtables to help them to prepare for us actually leaving the, the European Union and, and to understand the additional checks that would be required. So businesses are used to the costs of doing business. Businesses, bingo. Businesses, 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 businesses. Do you think she does business with Gillian Keegan? Gillian. She loves business <laughs> as well. <Gillian. laughs> Two businesswomen doing business. Talking business. Yes, they do so much business with their business, the business, business. Maybe she said it and it doesn't mean anything. So 
as Boris Johnson once said, <laughs> F business. Maybe Beth Rigby doesn't see us as a politics podcast exactly per se, Marina. Maybe she sees us to business women, to business women, to business, business. Um, I don't know. Christ almighty, Andrea Letson, what is she on? Dame, anyway, Dame um, Andrea Letson. Oh, sorry, yeah, Dame, better than Dame. Um, satirist Rosie Holt, uh, the comedian, did a version of that absolutely car crash uh, interview, which was actually with Kay Burley. And I think Marina and I prefer Rosie Holt's version. Well, actually, businesses always knew the cost of doing business. And at the time of Brexit, businesses knew we were leaving the singles European market. And I remember sitting down with businesses and saying, look, you are the foot soldiers of the liberation movement that is Brexit. And so some of you will be cannon fodder. And we will think of you fondly if any of your businesses do, you know, um, but that's the price of freedom. And they understood that. So, so basically, what we didn't realise is that businesses, businesses, had to take them for the team. Businesses. And the team yeah. was essentially the really, really rich elites like o- Odin Crispy or whatever his name is. Odious Crispy. Yeah. Crispin Odin. Yeah. You know Fair. the one. <laughs> I've forgotten his name. Who? Crispin Odie. Uh, potato, mm. potato. Crisps, isn't it? Um, <laughs> we learned that, I'm, I'm pretty sure he made a donation, sizable one at that, to the Reform Party. So there you go. He's moved his allegiance now. Really? Didn't get that news in Mexico, did you? That didn't reach Mexico, thank God. I had no thought of Crispin Odie when I was lying on my lounger, which is a good thing. Um, but the Reform Party is interesting, isn't it? They they have, if you were looking at it from their point of view, they are doing well. They are mm. gaining in numbers, but let's just hope they don't get any seats and just absolutely screw it for the Conservatives. Yeah, I'm happy. If they yeah. want to spit the vote, good, good, good. Um, David mm. Gork, who is the former Tory cabinet member and Lord Chancellor, interestingly tweeted. So the message now is if you're a small business importing from the EU, you either have to absorb the additional cost or source goods, presumably more expensively, from elsewhere. When this was pointed out in 2016, it was described as being part of Project Fear. And Ian Dunt tweeted... So this is what Brexit sovereignty tastes like. The freedom to pay higher prices in a cost of living crisis. Mm. Yeah, great. Who's that Lord? Moylian. Moylian. He was Lord of the Week mm. for about four, uh, four podcasts running. He Munched. actually said, <laughs> he said in response to all of this, he was basically saying, you know, it doesn't all just boil down to pounds and pence. It was about more than that. It was about... Um, you know sovereignty obviously and it's like it wasn't positioned that way and I actually responded to him and showed him the the front pages the headlines that were all about cheaper bills cheaper food like reduced cost for bloody everything but to try and make mm. out now and to try and rewrite history suggests that actually businesses knew the cost and we were always going to have to just like pay these higher costs like it's so gaslighty isn't it Yeah, I'm just going to say that in my personal view, Brexit always has been, always was and always will be just a big pile of shit. Um, And uh, (laughs) that's again, Beth Ruby, I think her analysis might be slightly different. (laughs) Do you think? I'm not sure. Put that on a bus. Uh, (laughs) Look, we all know the damage that Brexit has done. 
And in fact, the government themselves have conceded that farmers and food and drink companies are already suffering and they're going to be hit by extra paperwork and then checks that are going to cost 330 million quid. Brilliant. Meaning higher costs for consumers and less choices. And that's thanks to the latest Brexit checks. They finally come in, haven't they? After having Mm. been delayed five times. I mean, it's just all so ridiculous. Bloody win-win. I've got a group with some of my uni girls and um, I think mm. I've mentioned to this friend uh, this friend before that she voted Brexit and she voted Tory. It was back then. Mm. I don't think she would do it now. Um, the chat was about how their grocery shop is, is going up and these are mm. middle-class ladies, right? They're very comfortable and talking about this and <laughs> I I know it was passive-aggressive <laughs> but I obviously joined in the conversation knowing that one of them voted Brexit and I went, gosh, and it's awful. And you know it's about to go up now because of these... Brexit checks that have come into play on the 31st of January. Oh, does anyone know the address of someone I can send an invoice to for these additional costs? <laughs> Just left it like that. Just there. Did you get Grenade. a response? I did not. Ah. <laughs> nope. Mm. Nope. Uh, and as a result of all this um, fanfare around the four-year anniversary, Kemi Badenoch, oh, actually, I saw someone refer to her on Twitter as Bad Enoch, which I thought was quite clever. Enoch Powell, bad Enoch. Anyway. Mm. Um, yes. See? See? Got to mm. there eventually. Um, so <laughs> she, who is becoming very quickly one of my least favourite Tories, um, she took to X to promote her pamphlet. <laughs> it was a pamphlet on Brexit successes over the last four years. It was a big read, War and Peace style. It was 24 pages. Um, and a lot of people went through this and experts went through it, the real ones, not the like think tank ones, and basically surmised that it was a work of fiction. So two of the 24 pages were taken up of uh, Badenoch pictures of her just looking rather pleased with herself. And you had stuff in it. It was like all the, the stuff that we know has been disproven. So it's stuff like vaccine mm. rollout. Oh, yeah, that old bullshit chestnut. 73 free trade agreements which fails to mention what we all know, which is that these were rollover deals and that the new deals that were signed, like the Australia-New Zealand one, were admitted by the former Environment Secretary, George Eustace, as being shite. And also, riddle me this, Kemi, bad knock, if the Brexit dividend that we hear about was so huge, then why... Have the Tories had to raise our taxes to the highest they've been since the Second World War? That's a very good that dividend point. Going? Yeah, where where's yeah. all the money? I'd like to get a copy of that pamphlet. It sounds uh, uh, like an excellent bedtime read, or I could wipe my bum with it. Um, and then after that. <laughs> gross anyway this all takes us nicely to the next clip so we're going to have a listen now to chief charlatan the mog the old victorian pencil himself Mm. on gb news and this is just get get your gas lights out give him a good light uh he's talking to a farmer who might actually know a thing or two about farming inside the eu we had protections of the cap um which was a, a, a food policy Outside of the EU, we have no governmental food policies. You cannot... Far, farmers one, farmers one, hated no the CAP. Every Sorry. farmer I ever spoke to loathed the CAP, the constant regulation, the interference. No, 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 no. And no. half the directives that are still affecting the, the, farmers the CAP, are from our membership the CAP, of the EU. The CAP guaranteed a food supply at a known cost over the last 30 or 40 years. 
because it guaranteed supply. We are in a situation in this country at the moment where agriculture and farming is falling off a cliff. In Kent, here, the Garden of England, where I am, apple trees are being grubbed at a far faster rate than ever before. We're planting vineyards. We can't get any labour. Well, the labour we can get now comes, instead of from Europe freely, it comes from Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, or other, all, all around the world, no, on the, visas, the, which are very expensive, create a lot of red tape. So most farmers, fruit farmers down here, are packing up. We're but planting actually, vineyards. The, the growth of vineyards has been doing vineyards. extremely well. <laughs> So the just oh god, it's so insane. It's like it's like a malnourished person saying to a great mm. big well-fed person that they're like really hungry, and the well-fed person saying, "No, you're not. No, you're not. I'll mm. tell you why you're not hungry." It's in, mm. and also that clip. I thought it was just it was the it was the very essence of Brexit, which is why I think it was so powerful because it's a father. It's his his livelihood telling. Yeah. Reese Mogg that his industry has been decimated by Brexit and then Mogg spends the interview trying to persuade him, convince him that it hasn't been, all yeah. from the comfort, yeah. by the way, of his GB News studio, having never run a bloody bath, probably, let alone a farm. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely mm. extraordinary. Horrible. And Jacob Reese Mogg as well, he, he also tweeted... I will be discussing the great benefits of Brexit from eight o'clock this evening on State of the Nation on GB News. And Dr. Ian Overton responded, what will you be talking about from 8.01 though? <laughs> I know. I saw that and I did a similar tweet. I said something like, starts at eight, finishes at five past. And I was just <laughs> thinking it would be so funny if you said, good evening and welcome. You're watching GB News. I am Jacob Rees-Mogg. The benefits of Brexit. And good night <laughs> to the weather. <laughs> Your posh accent of Jacob Rees Mogg sounds like someone else that we use. Does it? Yeah, it's some or is it your generic like saddle of beef Tory MP impression? I don't think I'm very good at Mog. I'm not very good. I, I actually no, that, tell, you, tell you what we are good at though. <laughs> Susan Hall. Susan Hall. Oh, I, I, I know. I have to listen to her before I do it. But yeah, that that's probably better. I, I think it's very difficult to talk like Jacob Rees Mogg. Just to take a second on that, because I don't I don't know quite how you get your. I, no, I can't do it. You cannot get that plummy. Oh, it's horrible. Anyway, um, the Purple Pimpernel um, tweeted on the polls as well, by the way, that now show, obviously, that most people think Brexit's a pile of poo. And he tweeted, how very convenient. When 52% of voters were in favour of Brexit, the will of the people was sacred. Now that figure is 13%. We should just all move on. Muddled <laughs> bunch, these Brexiters, aren't they? Yes, muddled, muddled. Mm. One person, though, that who should have had more attention paid to her was then Conservative Anna Soubry. So have a listen to this. It's a sobering listen of her fighting the Remainer corner before we left. If we do not deliver frictionless trade, either by a customs union or indeed by some magical third way that the Prime Minister thinks she can deliver on, and good luck to her on that. If we do not do that, thousands of jobs will go. And honourable members sitting on these benches in private conversations know that to be the case. And what they have said in those private conversations 
is the loss of hundreds of thousands of jobs will be worth it to regain our country's sovereignty. You tell that to the people of my constituency. You tell that to the people who voted leave in my constituency. Nobody voted to be poorer and nobody voted leave on the basis that somebody with a gold-plated pension and inherited wealth would take their job away from them. Yes, and of course, she was a conservative who made sense, so she was purged. <laughs> no. hmm. Oh, that was quite a depressing listen, wasn't it, with hindsight? Because she got it bang on. She was bang Did you like my little partridge moment going into that stew? Let's <laughs> Speaking of partridge, oh God, Wallace, Greg Wallace. Again, we've got, we'll come to him. There's too much Brexit stuff in this one, but we have to come to Greg Wallace because my goodness. We will, we will. Um, Back to Brexit. I want to talk Mm. about some of the bits that I really enjoyed from the four year anniversary. (laughs) And one of them, one of my bits of enjoyment was, uh, well, it actually came from GB News, the home of Brexit balance. Mm. And it was Mm. working in overdrive trying to tout Brexit as a win. <laughs> this was how it positioned the win, right? Because the laws that the EU would have imposed since we left would equate to some 451 miles of paper. <laughs> How's that for a key performance indicator? Miles oh. of paper. Now, now, GB News, tell us how many miles of paperwork are UK firms having to fill in and pay for since Brexit and all the red tape, you absolute melons. Honestly, GB News is news for idiots. It really is. And can I just say, whoever runs their social media can't spell. And I think if you're going to call yourself like a news station or journalist or whatever, learn how to spell. There was a bit on the, the, the royals and they actually wrote... Prince William and Prince Harry's relationship is broken, according to a royal commentator, as the Duke (laughs) flied home, flied, flied home, (laughs) without seeing his older brother, flied. That's what my three-year-old says. (laughs) He flied home, Ina wrote. So what's the past tense of fly? Flied, nice. Um, So anyway, that's just a little... (laughs) Oh, actually, should we do a little... um, share a little something with you so mm. if you're not on patreon you won't necessarily know yet but our next troll meets is drum roll that's me on a biscuit tin um <laughs> is carol vorderman so it's an absolute belter and uh, let's just play you a little tasty little nibble if you like this is a clip of her gb news prediction okay here's my <laughs> prediction yeah I reckon, because GB News, as far as I understand, isn't making any money. Uh, and so it, people are shoveling money into it. When the Tories are decimated at the general election, oh, I'm so there for it. Uh, obviously, through Stop the Tories, Stop Vote, there's a practical uh, application with tactical voting. I think we can get them down to 70 seats or less. In other words, absolutely destroy them together, everybody. Um, and then, what's the purpose of GP News? That mm. It has no purpose. Who's going to carry on shoveling money into it? I predict that within 18 months, 
of the, it will close down. There you go. You heard it here yeah. first. Ooh, if that does happen, if that does happen, who's going to give Martin Daubney a job? <laughs> I don't know. And I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But that's what Carol thinks. And you can hear that full episode on Patreon. It's up there now. But we had such fun and it's such a Mm. juicy episode. Anyway, that's a sidebar. Um, Marina, 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 Marina. In Paris, they've been protesting, haven't they? The French farmers. They have. I was going to say the Brexiters were enjoying that because it gave the Brexiters some ammo, didn't it? Mm-hmm. They're all like, look, look, can you see what the farmers are doing in France in your precious EU? Which was a bit of a stupid argument, quite frankly, as pointed out by the founder of Save British Farming, Liz Webster, who's well worth a follow if you're interested in this kind of thing. Um, she really is the, the guru. And she tweeted, when we were in the EU, farming did very well out of French protesters resisting changes that were damaging to agriculture. Truth is, the changes that the EU are trying to push farmers into are minimal, a scratch compared to what the British government has done to our farmers. Difference is, the French don't take any shit. And, uh, well, we know that's true. And have a listen here too, Liz. But Brexit has been incredibly damaging to British farmers and had this happened to European farmers, goodness only knows what they would be doing. We have lost our subsidies. European farmers still have subsidies. We have lost our uh, labour source. Um, European farmers still have freedom of movement. Um, We have lost access to the biggest free market in the world. Um, And that free market had access to our market for three years up until last week when these checks came in. Mm. So this was less a mm. failure of the EU, although obviously there were problems here, but this is more a sort of nod to French farmers protesting. And in fact, just French protests in general, which I think we could stand mm-hmm. to learn a thing or two from. In fact, do you remember last year when the French government wanted to raise the retirement age from 62 mm. to 64 mm. and protesters, they just like set parts of Paris on fire. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, they weren't happy. <laughs> and then it got announced last year here in the UK that mm. our pension aid was rising. And guess what? Guess what happened? <laughs> like nothing. Nothing, nothing. We are pushovers in comparison. And if we do nothing, worse will occur. Because last week, in fact, no, it was this week, we learned that the retirement mm. age will likely have to rise to 71 for middle-aged workers. That's us, by the way, us, because mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. the impact of growing life expectancy and falling birth rates. And that's obviously having to put, like fund the um, state pension. So are you all right with that, Gemma, 71? <laughs> 71. <laughs> this is the thing. I am actually so British. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, I'll probably work till I'm 90 <laughs> anyway. Right, all right then. Yeah, fine, yeah. <sighs> it, it's just like, you just sort of expect it, don't you? Terrible. I think it's also because why is it, it's... I don't know. Is it being reported? Is it being beamed out to people on BBC News? I don't. I don't think mm. enough people know. But I don't know. I just think we're very, very um, sort of passive and kind and tolerant, and just that's how we are as a as a race. We we are different species to the French. It's a bit like during COVID, all the behavioural experts were saying people won't 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 comply with lockdown, mm. and we just did. 
We just did. Broadly speaking, they were surprised at exactly how compliant the British public are. Mm. We just sort of do as we're told. That's not like, that's not a nasty thing. It's just the way we are. <laughs> we're, too, we're, we're going to be too worn out. It'd be too worn out to protest. We're going to be 60, 65, 70, 71. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's Matt. There's an account called it's Matt underscore again wrote, at least I'll be able to use my over 60s bus pass to my commute <laughs> from my house share. <laughs> And I'm 70. What an optimistic vision of the future. And someone else pointed out that life expectancy for a man in Glasgow is 72. God, so, I mean, get a job you like. I mean, that's my takeaway oh, from that. It's just so bad. And I don't know why we're laughing. It is awful. And, of course, we should be rioting. But we're too polite. We'd be like, oh, excuse me. Um, excuse me, if I may, could I point out that I'd quite like to have three weeks off before I die? Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> would like to take some hobbies up and and just be old in my house is that okay flipping it the french are like we'll blockade the city and burn the shit down and brits are like i'm going to start an online petition and write a strongly worded letter and uh, at dbcxptures added how we might start our emails in the future if this goes ahead and then wrote i hope this email doesn't find you dead <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, it's all a bit uh, somber. <sighs> I know. I'm gonna have to really take my vitamins. Really take my vitamins. Mm. Um just let's try and keep healthy. Eat broccoli. I don't know. The Have I Got News for You account wrote experts warn the UK retirement age will soon rise to 71. So in future, when someone freezes during a zoom meeting chances are they'll have died <laughs> oh gosh what a time to be alive Gemma working till we're 71 oh. and we we're lucky enough to get one of the worst pensions in Europe but the highest energy <laughs> bills on the planet it's so lovely we're so lucky no, oh, we are. But I tell you what, here's something that will warm your cockles. It was an absolutely fantastic clip. Really good. I actually did see this when I did have a little look in when I was away. Matthew Wright is here on LBC and he's talking with Widders and Widdicombe, one of the very big charlatans of Brexit. And it is a thing of beauty. Can, can I yeah. just ask about the politicians who told us things before the referendum, which have subsequently become patently untrue? So Michael Gove saying Brexit would be good for the environment. We've just legitimised the use of pesticides that kill bees that the EU has banned. Daniel Hannan proposed, promised, promised business would have access to the single market if we voted leave. We didn't. He then pushed on for the hardest possible Brexit. Boris Johnson said our fishermen would be supported. They're £70 million a year worse off. I could go on and on. Should we not have some kind of apology for those lies or mistruths? Well, the biggest lies that were told before the referendum were actually told by the Remain campaign, oh. led by the then Prime Minister, Lord Cameron. Uh, he wasn't a lord then, of course, uh, who said very specifically, and it was all there, that if we dared to vote, yes, never mind leave, if we actually just <laughs> voted to leave, uh, there was going to be an immediate austerity budget, there was going to be an immediate rise in unemployment, there was going to be an immediate collapse of British business. It's all there on the record. This is yeah. what they were telling us. None of that happened. Well, unemployment is, you, unemployment on, is going not even, up, Anne. Not even you. Not even you. <laughs> unemployment is up, Anne. And unemployment oh, and, is and up. It was never, 
and it was never up when we were in the EU. It also went down when we were in the EU. Four million with Margaret Thatcher to a million just before we left. I mean, you're just not telling the truth, Anne, are you? Matthew, right, what you won't do is let me have a word in their choice. You've had four minutes non-stop, Anne. I'm just asking questions. Have a lovely morning yourself, Anne. And therein, I would suggest, ladies and gentlemen, is the problem with Brexit. Been (laughs) gaslit by one of the great advocates of Brexit. Every time I try and introduce the issues that trouble me, the lies told by Anne Widdicombe's Widdicombe's colleagues, former colleagues, I'm being told that I'm interrupting her, that I'm rude. How are we ever, how are we ever going to move on with such intransigence? I have to ask. Brilliant. He just said everything I felt there. That's exactly it, isn't it? And why does she say referendum? Referendum, Marina. (laughs) David Cameron. Why don't she flipping retire? (laughs) Retire. Flipping heck. Go. Stop it. Yeah, he was fantastic in that clip. And I'm glad I don't talk like her because you are Marina. Oh, I like that. Right. Moving on from that. Um, moving on from that to Lord of the Week. Because one old lordy, lordy, lord, David Frost wrote this. I'm going to, it's in the Telegraph. Of course, it's in the flipping Telegraph. What am I thinking? He wrote, <laughs> four years after Brexit, the Remainers have never been more powerful. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> Rusty, I wonder why. I, th- I think the point, uh, it just missed him, didn't it? He didn't realise what he it was saying did. with that. No, course, I think there's course. a lot of things our Frosty doesn't understand. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Right, let's go to our underrated clip of the week. And this one, mm. because we like to keep things consistent, is Brexit themed and it's a joy. It's quite unbelievable as well. It's a clip of Martin Daubney of GB News talking about a near-death experience which was shared by the Accidental Partridge account. And I think you'll see why. They came down the street at me with knives and they pulled them out and I just thought, I could die here. And I just stood my ground and I looked them down and I just held my arm and I went, Martin Daubney, Brexit party, did you vote to leave the European Union? And they went, what? And the situation dissolved. That's just such rubbish, isn't it? I mean, you can imagine some of the responses on this were beautiful. Mike Carter at Flash Bar Mike wrote, and the rest of the street stood and cheered. (laughs) And at Josie Jojo just put... In fact, she didn't. She didn't write a thing. All she did was post a picture of well-known bragger Jay from the Inbetweeners. That's him, isn't it? He is Jay. He is Jay. And Pete Heppel wrote, mm-hmm. And what really happened, Martin? <laughs> I shouted, terror men, and shut my pants. <laughs> also, like... Imagine if you were in the middle of mugging someone or whatever, and then they went, yeah, I uh, I formed the Brexit party. You'd probably be like more inclined to bash them around ahead. Anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> it's uh, very, very interesting. And then Sangeeta Miska as well. She alluded to that infamous cock-up of his on GB News and tweeted, genuinely surprised he didn't just shout his most famous catchphrase, the terror man, F, it's all gone wrong. And what I thought was the best takeaway of this clip was that the moral of the story, moral of Martin's 
fascinating story, which he clearly didn't realise when he told it, was if you find yourself confronted by thugs wielding knives, win them over by telling them you voted for Brexit. Unbelievable. Thank you for listening. We've got another episode coming out soon, which covers all sorts. And then we're going to have another episode early next week as well, because there's just been so much to fit in. Popcorn, um, Valance. Oh my God, there's too much. Yeah. Sunak being a bell in Parliament. I'm sure you know what I mean. Yeah. Just so much content. But in the meantime, it is pudding time. So please do enjoy. Of course, in theme, it is Brexit flavoured and it's from The Exploding Heads. I never said Brexit was going to be easy. Well, with respect, you did, Minister. Here's a recording of you saying exactly that in 2016. Brexit's going to be bloody easy, isn't it? Yeah, you can quote me on this. Bloody easy. There we have it, Minister. Yeah, I don't quite recall those words, I'm afraid. Well, they're exactly your words coming out of your mouth. I don't agree with your premise. And there was that photo of you stood next to a sign saying Brexit is going to be easy with a mascot you created called Easy Stevie the Breezy Squeegee here to mop up Brexit in a jiffy. Jiffy. But what we hadn't bargained for were Remainers thwarting us at every turn by not believing hard enough. See, this is why you're the new elite, because you think you're so clever by remembering what other people have said and then using that against them. It just shows how out of touch you are. That mascot has since said it regretted its vote to leave, Minister. Well, you elite bloody squeegees.